This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Major news. Of course, we have a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock, and that's all courtesy Champlain Auto Services. All right, so thank you so much, Gregory. Well, Gregory will be in. All right. Take a quick look at traffic. Let's see what's happening on the highways and the byways at this time. Traverse. Getting into the capital by Zalabas. On the Beatham is we're going to pick up your traffic this morning as we head west on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway. We go to Santa Rosa to Amira. And then Trinity City towards Yui. Uh, got some traffic again um, from Chin Chin Road to St. Helena on um, Madras Settlement Road. It's busy there this morning. Of course, going through uh, Southern Main Road, like Chin Chin Road in Kunapir area. Got some traffic there. Let's take a look. Riverland Road is heavy. It is heavy this morning. But this hollow is pretty pretty clear all right that's quick traffic update for you hope that helped out in one way or the other all right all right so the guys are back in paul richards richard ragobar saying ruben is in there somewhere my name is steve khan community company till nine o'clock and before we introduce our guest let's get the results of our morning poll absolutely so our poll this morning was should children of Documented migrants be allowed in public school. Mm-hmm. We had 22 people voting on the poll in the allotted time. Of the 22, 21 of you said yes, one of you said no. So, of course, the vast majority certainly think that those children should be allowed to attend public school. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you can continue to vote on our poll throughout the day, through our programming, and we'll give you the final result tomorrow morning, which will be Friday. Right, yay. Of course, online, so far, we are 100% saying yes. All right, so let's introduce our guest. We have not had him on the show for a while. For quite a while. Quite yeah, a while. So we just touch in, in we just touch in base and see what's going on as he, he sips his coffee and does not share with us. But it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Let's say good morning going out to Mr. Robert Lahunt. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago. How are you? How are you? Good morning, morning. Minister Lahunt. I'm going to call you Minister Lahunt this morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are good. We are good. (laughs) It's about time you you stop stop that, you know, uh, Mr. Richards. You know, you, you always... You always seem to make that mistake. It's enough time has passed. Well, maybe I'm, um, I have some uh, secret hopes. <laughs> good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you going, Robert? I am good, man. I'm good, Steve. I'm good, Steve. I you, just... you, look, you look well-rested and stress-free. 
well, boy, you know, what could I say? I, um, you know, I, I started this new job this one month ago. I can't say it's not, it's not stressful, different type of stress, but this is my new disposition in life. You gotta you take. You started it. a new job a month ago or months ago? No, one month ago. A month ago. So, one month ago. Uh, the, so you've left and I'm, I'm getting. Is that you? No, 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 Paul. You, you, you're out of life, man. I, yeah, he's I'm out of the loop. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's out. Jesus, please. I left answer at the end of at, at the end of June, um, and from the first of July, I took up the appointment as as executive director of the IDB in Washington, um, responsible for the Caribbean constituency. So I am now the executive, one of the executive directors of the IDB. Well, congratulations. I should fight to this email. What's that? <laughs> We're not too far from each other. We need about three hours. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm one and a half if I'm not mistaken. Well, all right. Anyway, good morning. Congratulations on your, on your new post. No problem. No yeah. let's, let's talk a bit about your, your views on, of course, you're on the outside looking in now. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, you have no less interest in the welfare of Trinidad and Tobago, I'm sure, because you have always considered you a patriot. What are your overall impressions of the country that you see now? Well, boy, you know, Paul, we, we, are, we, we, we are going into, uh, I mean, our big in independence is, 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 very, is very critical. And that is a, I mean, a, big, a big celebration for us. Um, Trinidad and Tobago, at this point in time, and I don't want to use the proverbial crossroads because that is something that is too normally, it is used too often. Um, but there are some continue to be, because of the fact that our economy is so much impacted all by what happens outside, especially from an income perspective, you know, there are some decisions that Trinidad and Tobago have been postponing that, um, and some strategic planning that we need to start to execute on some of the things that we have been talking about over the years. Now, I understand that is affected to a large extent <clears throat> by the fluctuations in our revenue, but we need to, to start to move or critically move with his in putting in place a number of different things. Because one thing we have seen eh, is that there are a lot of external shocks that hit us as an economy. And when those shocks hit us, they impact the poor in our country at a very disproportionate level. And therefore, a lot of our infrastructural woes, a lot of the things that we have, a lot of the projects that we have that we have just, that a lot of the things that we are doing that we've been kicking the pan down the road, we need to start to do them with, with haste because these external shocks are going to be, are going to be hitting us at a more regular pace. We understood, we see what's going on with climate change. We see what's but this happening. This is a, probably an unfair question to put, to put you on this spot, but what are the three most significant decisions or changes we need to make structurally in the next 10 years, given what you've just outlined? Well, 
you know, I am a big advocate. To me, one of the things that we need to start to do is to look internally. And I mean, you are kind of putting me on this spot here, right? But um, no problem. One of the things I think we need to start to look internally at ourselves and in light of the fluctuations that are going to be happening to our revenue, we need to start to move towards getting our economy as efficient as it could be. We need to structure ourselves in a manner that our efficiency level is at low. It's like you're running a business, right? you're not sure about your income, but what you do know is when you have good times, I'm making plenty money. When I have bad times, I'm running as efficiently as I can. So I support this whole concept, <clears throat> broad as it may be, and we need to start to roll out that plan and move with haste towards this whole digitization. Right, of our economy, that is something that needs to happen. So if you ask me in 10 years' time, in five years' time, what I would like to see, I would like to see that process completed or close to completion or well on the way so that we will then be able to, one, digitization to me will allow for us to be able to run our operations, our public service, all that we do as efficiently as we can, and two, when into external shocks hit, when I was part of the cabinet and I remember us in the midst of dealing with the COVID, trying to identify who are the people we need to help and try to be able to target the people that we need to help. That was not as easy as we would have liked it to be. So digitization will move to that efficiency. So I put that as one. I think we need to look at the whole idea and it's part of our efficiency. So, I, But because digitization is so big, I will leave that there. We need to move towards, we need to take a position in, in, in a position on how we distribute our welfare program or our subsidies. I mean, I think we have had enough, we have to make our subsidies a little bit more targeted and more focused. In the past, we have given these subsidies out, in my mind, to everyone. You know, we have gas prices, everybody benefit. We have electricity, everybody benefit. Uh, we have water prices, everybody benefit, right? And, and, and I think that is fine when we didn't have money or, or when we had a lot of money, sorry, but Again, it is not the most efficient way of dealing and there are a number of different new tools that are available for us to be much more targeted in how we deal with our subsidies. And let's help. I am all for helping all the people that need to be helped. We need to take care of our poor. We need to take care of the people that are less fortunate than others. So I think that is number two. All right. Reconfiguring our 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 our, our subsidy program. I mean, on the third, I would put jointly with the third, two major issues that to me are important. One, so I put a kind of joint to it. I know people, we talk a lot about diversification of this economy and we need to, and again, we understand that we will always be dependent on, on, on oil, but we need to take some positions on developing some other income streams, right? Um, within Trinidad, uh, within the economy, I think we, we, we know what is going on around the world with the tendency to make the world green and decarbonization and those issues. 
So we need to take cognizance of that and we need to remodel our, 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 our industries, our oil industry. We need to look at new ways of income. We need to do things like the hydrogen economy. We need to spend some time on a focus so that we will be able to prepare for what is coming, that tidal wave of green that is coming. So we need to kind of fix the, our economy and we need to look at other forms of, um, as I said, of, of, of income stream, whether or not we want to focus on, on, on developing tourism, what type of tourism, whether it's tourism, whether it's yachting, whether it's health tourism, whether it's all the difference, whether it's repairing of boats, all the different things that we have outlined that we have ticked at areas of opportunity, we need to start getting those things on, on stream. So I put that as number three, that diversification. But I also believe in Trinidad and Tobago, and I take a stab here. I mean, when you, you know, I've made the point before that Trinidad and Tobago is like a car running on three pistons. We have three distinct groups within our country. And I think we have somewhere as a country, 60 years has passed, and we are one of our groupings. We are not firing on all three pistons. You know, we are not. We have one of all the groups of, of, among ourselves, and we, we talk about it, we talk around it. We know that there are issues pertaining there, and they are, as a result, they are having some social impacts. And we need to address that so that all Trinidad and Tobago, for us to be able to be as efficient as we have to be, we need to be firing on all pistons. And therefore, all for one, one for all. One of our groups are not working as how we would like it. We need to address that as a country and deal with that particular issue. So that's a sort of social, and I would put that social slash diversification as, I put, as a particular industry there. Subsidies, all right? And this whole idea of digitization and getting ourselves more, more efficient. So you put me on the spot, and those are my three questions. Those are my three answers for four that I've come up with for you. Well, but it's 60 years of independence. Uh, um, but I mean, in terms of you are obviously involved in, in, in the, the, the oversight of how things can work efficiently in terms of your background and how economies move, how business moves, those kinds. You have a, a really good technical sense of it. Um, but it's 60 years that Trinidad and Tobago has been in charge of itself. I mean, of course, we, we, we live in a global environment, so you're not a standalone. You're not literally an island in that sense. Have, are you satisfied in, in retrospect, looking back at these 60 years, that we have done a good job, or have we been pretty poor at handling our resources and economy so that at 60 years later, we are where we are today in terms of what your analysis um, is, which you just explained? Well, you know, again, like everything is, is the, 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 the mixed reviews that we, I think we could give ourselves. I mean, one could say um, the big leader of Singapore, when they got independence, I mean, it is alleged, that, and I think it is, it's, it's true, that around the 1960s, when they got independence, 
getting independence around ourselves and deciding, well, what am I going to do with the Caribbean? What am I going to do with this region? Because the Caribbean were a group of countries that just got independence also. I mean, he visited our region to then get a feel as to what it is that he should do with Singapore. All right. So at that point in time, if you put that as a benchmark and you say, well, okay, look what has happened in Singapore and look what has happened in us around a similar time frame and bearing in mind we were ahead of them, well, then you will get us as being very poor. Right? So, the, so if you use that as your benchmark, you will read as poor. However, there are certain things about Singapore. Um, there are certain ways they are not, a, how they manage the plural society. What we need to then look back and see is what, what worked for them. So when we compare that and we look at Singapore, we have to kind of ask ourselves, okay, yes, we can't want the good, we have to take the whole package. What it is that actually worked for them and what it is that didn't. And how are we going to try to benefit some of, and take some of the good with the bad and, and look at ourselves from that perspective. So, so that is one way of saying, and if you compare us with Singapore, just by under one measure, you will say that oh, we have not done well. In addition, but in other pers- from other perspectives, I think you know, you have to judge and you have to take that answer and look at it from, you know, where we where we were, yes, all the different challenges that we have had to overcome. I think we live a relatively good standard of living here in Trinidad and Tobago. I think a lot of things that we have taken for granted um, in Trinidad and Tobago and we enjoy ourselves, it is not very prevalent in other countries. All right. And therefore, when you look at it from that side, yes, we could have done better. But I think we have done a fairly okay job in improving our standard of living from where we were overall to where we are today. Again, there's always room for improvement. And there is a lot of ills in our society that we need to fix. 60 years as a country, I mean, we all celebrate this 60th birthday when it happens as a, a, a milestone, and it is a milestone. But in the, for, for a human being, 60 years is a, it's a, it's a big thing, because when you recognize your lifespan as a, as a person, might be 80, 85, you're coming down to definitely your last quarter. But, but for a country, 60 years relatively young, eh? Right, there are lots but, of but, but I'm going to be compared to Jamaica is also celebrating 60 years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and the other countries who are who became independent around the same time within that 1962, 1960, 1970 framework. What is different about Trinidad and Tobago? Because they're always going to be comparisons, it may be unfair comparisons, but, but we have to benchmark ourselves against development in other parts of the world, and, and for, of course, first the region is that we have had windfalls that other countries have not had. So in terms of Richard's question, the level of revenues that we've been able to have, although they fluctuated, in most people's estimations, would far outstrip what other comparable countries have had. And to Richard's question, have we managed that well to to where we are now? Paul, we also have, and let's also call a spade a spade, we also have a plural society. 
You understand? We have a plural society in Trinidad and Tobago, and we have a democracy that where that is that is very close. Uh, when you vote from a popular vote, nobody gets more than 48, 49, and it has gotten closer and closer percentage. So those are when, when you speak about societies and you compare us, you have to also compare us with that and believe it. Having worked in government myself, managing a plural society like ours is not easy. Managing a society when you run and you win an election and you get 50% or 50.5% of the vote and you have, you're winning by two seats, all right? But you have a large, a whole, a large group of the country that is against you and you're not managing for everyone and everything that you attempt to do for political reasons is deemed to be wrong. That is not an easy society. Getting laws passed in this society, putting this society right is not an easy one. You work in the Senate. I mean, you have seen, this is a society that what happens But, but here, to me, what it speaks to is that we have not refined our governance system for collaboration as opposed to confrontation. And, and I and I agree with that. So when so you agree, so that when you are, I mean, you put me on the spot for three things. I mean, that will actually be very high if I have to bring another fourth one in. I think that is very important. I mean, you have to understand what it is that you're managing and the environment under which you're managing in. Remember, Paul, this is a country that you will have a bill that will be passed by one house, one government. The government changes. That same bill laps and be brought back to the house, exactly the same bill. And then you hear the same party in opposition saying, no, I'm against it. Things like that will not happen in other countries. Or if it does happen, the society and the pressure groups within the society will make sure that the behaviors that people exhibit, that it doesn't happen. But in our society, we get away with it for a number of reasons. Right, and therefore that is part of our problem, and we have to face it head on and going forward. I also put the inequality in our income and the fact that one group of our society is not working. So there are a number of other factors that we have to judge and say, listen, let's put right when you're making that scale, because we ourselves and our whole governance structure is part of our problem. Yes, but but it, but isn't, it doesn't only lie with mm -hmm. the with the confrontational government opposition system. I mean, mm -hmm. it also lies with inefficient government on either side of the political coin, because then I mean, if I take your case where there are persons who have a particular perspective on how things should evolve, and then the political directorate has a different perspective. So we have a lot of governance issues to resolve. You mentioned earlier on. The disproportionate effect on the 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 lower socioeconomic groups when the 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 shocks take place, and the fact that the social uh, the social support system needs to be made more efficient, isn't that also part of the issue that we're not empowering those groups, and we in many cases the the, the social programs encourage a dependency as opposed to an independent moving toward an independent. Uh, uh, situation for those for those groups and i and i mentioned that also in the context of when you say the the, the, the lower socioeconomic groups are affected more disproportionately i looked at president biden's biden signing a, a, a bill recently which 
leaned on the more wealthy Americans to provide funding for climate change and other issues that the U.S. needs. But that's not necessarily always the case in Trinidad and Tobago because you also just mentioned the fact that when there are subsidies, everybody benefits, when everybody shouldn't really be benefiting because everybody doesn't have the same issues. How are we going to resolve that disparity issue in Trinidad and Tobago? Well, well, Paul, and, and you asked, and therein lies some of the challenges. Our, our country's ability and our structure that we have in place for us to make tough decisions. And again, how we are, whether our, our maturity levels, and I think we are, it is one of the challenges that Trinidad and Tobago is structured in a manner that it is very difficult as a society, and let's call a speed a speed, for us to make tough decisions. Because when tough decisions, and by the way, not only Trinidad and Tobago, there are lots of, I mean, I, can, I remember there's a, a particular term in economics, they call it, but really I've realized that they even refer to this particular, this particular saint in the Catholic religion. Every time Jesus Christ came for him, I can't remember his name. He always said, okay, wait, 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 wait. Don't come here. Don't come here. Don't come here. They're not ready for you. But, but the, the decisions are only tough because they are, they are being made with political expediency in mind. Margaret Thatcher took tough decisions oh, and put no, her political party no. in line. In, in Trinidad and Tobago, if you take those types of tough, if you take some of the tough decisions that are required when they are taken, the whole, you have to also understand that this is a country, let's look at our own history, when this is a country, when, when we went through 2019-90, you get a certain amount of rallying, and we are a country that went through that in the 1970, we went through it in the 1990s. This is not just about politicians politicking. We have to understand embedded in our society, it is structured in a manner that it is very difficult. And I'm not saying it is impossible. And I'm not saying we don't have to fix it, but we have to face what are some of the, what face head on, what are some of the hindrances that we have? And probably we need to then look at whatever changes that is required for that to happen. But when, when you are called upon, when the society is called upon to make tough decisions, if tomorrow morning you decided that, listen to me, gas subsidy gone, water subsidy gone, electricity subsidy gone, and you decide that is what it is, because in every decision there's, an, there's a transitionary period, then you will have mayhem in Trinidad and Tobago that allows for you to, you have to then weigh that. Well, I'm not saying, to your point, I'm not suggesting it should be gone, you know. I'm suggesting that it should go to those who need it most and not necessarily and, everybody. And I, You know, I, I'm hearing the conversation. Paul, there's a transition period that is also required. And, and, I, and I, I, I agree with you that it should be reformed, right? But there is a transitionary period that is required while that tradition, while that transformation is happening. And then what do you do? Yes, Paul. I'm, I'm just I'm listening to the conversation. I'm thinking, okay, obviously Trinidad and Tobago is a society that, that is willing to protest, is willing to burn tires, is willing to do whatever at certain points in our in our history. So you know the you know the the overall disposition of the country in certain issues. I mean, going back to 1903 when the water riots, when they burned down the Red House. I mean, of course, 
you have a history that's embedded in terms of how we deal with conflict on a certain level. But it's part of the problem and a major part of the problem that in 1962, the template was not properly laid in building an equitable society. We became a society over the years, post-1962, that has been embroiled in corruption, embroiled in people wanting more because we were a rich country um, in comparison to any other Caribbean island, and where there is money and there is wealth, corruption can quickly follow unless you have robust systems in terms of the, the, the equitableness that across the society. And that template was laid in 1962, including the template of how you deal with the plural society. And is it that the foundations of that as were laid were weak or were, were, were riddled with self-interest that leaned towards one level of the society than another that we are that it, it it encouraged the country to go down a certain pathway politically, and how we deal how we dealt with ourselves that we are reaping the consequences of in nineteen well in two thousand twenty two. And Richard, to an extent, I agree. I I, I would if the answer to that question will be unequivocally yes, yes. You mean in a number of areas, I totally agree. I I. I hear what you're saying, and you are, and, and I agree with you. I mean, you look at other plural societies, you look at Mauritius, you look at other countries that have to deal with plural societies, and there were laws that were put in place to ensure that the level of disequilibrium, you have to recognize that, and you have to give and take in a plural society, and you have to put laws in place so that you have, you have this society, and the level of disequilibrium doesn't happen. You have laws in place that ensures that a certain percentage that businesses run and it runs in a certain manner that there's not one group of persons in business and one group that is not. Those, that's how you deal with places like that. We put things in place in, in, in places like Singapore. When you talk about the watchwords, we say our watchwords here are discipline, production, and tolerance. But you ask people, like any core values, you are embedded in a country. What does discipline mean? What does production mean? What does tolerance mean? We didn't spend the time to embed those things in our society so that we have a common understanding as Trinidadians. Listen to me. This is what I mean by production. This is what I mean by discipline. Or this is discipline Trinidad style or production Trinidad style. So we put certain fundamental things out there but we never spent the time to get it embedded to build a society. So I agree, we took some shortcuts. Now, the question is, 60 years has passed, and I have a reflection, that is what it is. What do we need to do now going forward? But we have to understand, for us, a lot of times, people say, well, okay, let's don't worry about that. Let's don't worry about that, and let's just move forward. But sometimes you have to understand what you did wrong or what you could have done better before you are able to put things in place to move forward. So I, I, I agree with you. And that is a level of hard reflection that we need to do, um, Richard, that, that, that is important. I just gave you two examples. So is the current at... leadership, is the current leadership of both parties, because we have two main parties in the country, mm -hmm. is the current leadership of those parties 
equipped to do what you are suggesting? Well, and I, I, in some cases, I, I, I mean, yes, I think, I think some people, I think there is recognition. I know, for example, when we were doing our roadmap, I could speak for for the party on which I have so I have been associated with for the past thirty years. When we were looking at the roadmap to the to, to to building a new society, that whole idea of the looking at our core values and embedding in in it to help build a society and build out what does production, what does discipline mean, those were some types of conversations that we were having within our party and we were having within the roadmap to the economy that we were embedded into that roadmap. So I know the conversation or the discussions have been had within the context of the, of the government. Now, again, how do you deal with that whilst you are dealing with oil prices? And probably that is part of our governance that we need to look at. We need, we are two as a country, we are dealing with so many immediate factors. Not enough time is also spent on planning and, and, and structuring for the future because we are firefighting all the time and dealing with the issues in front of us. So, because a lot of it took all the way, we have a city, we have some immediate issues. We have our gas that is dropping, all right? We have the need, we have world prices that are going up as we have inflation around the world that is going up, that is impacting on us. We have revenues that is also dropping. We have expenses as a country, right? We live a lifestyle in Trinidad and Tobago that we have to recognize we are poorer and we cannot afford. And when there's a lot of money, a lot of things that you could do, when you have a lot of money, everybody has. Everybody is happy. When we have a, a slice of the pie and we need to cut that pie a little bit smaller and we need to make adjustments, that is where you start to have problems, right? And those are some immediate issues that, that, that is now occupying our time. But there are some long-term issues that we also need to address. What do you think, Robert, is... Dr. Oli's biggest challenge now as the leader of the country? What I think Dr. Oli's biggest challenge, I think, I think when I, you know, I think our country is getting, and, and, and as I said, it's, it's, it's a, if you go back to human nature, Paul, um, you know, you and I, and I use this, always use this sometimes, I use this analogy. I mean, a husband and wife living in a house and there is money. And you know, everything is going honky-dory, fine, and everybody living their lives. As long as you're called upon to make adjustments, people have to make choices and decisions, then the conflict starts to rub a little bit, all right? And Dr. Rowley is managing an economy where there are clearly some adjustments, and the Minister of Finance to some extent, where there are certain types of adjustments that need to be made. And there's a transition that we need, and from my perspective, we need to look at some of these subsidies that we are doing, and we need to make them much more targeted. Now, how do you make them much more targeted when it's difficult to identify the exact people, right? 
and you you have a society where we we do understand the need to be able to bob and weave a little bit as Trinidadians. So he is managing a, a time in our transition where we are transitioning to certain things that we are putting to get more efficiency, the digitization, but the adjustments are required now because we are poorer and because of world factors. And therefore, that is creating tension in the economy and tensions are popping up all around. And those tensions need to be managed. How you manage, and that in a plural, in a plural society, where you're only managing with 49, 51% of our popular vote is a difficult proposition. So, so that is part that that is part of his challenge. So, how do you because we are a small space, and for small spaces to be agile enough um, in a globally competitive market, you have to make certain decisions, and certainly. Uh, a unified front politically helps. Of course, Trinidad is very far away from a unified political front. How can the the parties that, that we are uh, we are uh, almost wanted to say saddled with, but let me not use this word. Let me not use the word ad, the adjective saddled. <laughs> the, the political parties that we have we now have in our space. You. you you don't get the sense that they could ever come together in that collaborative way that Paul would have mentioned before, rather than opposition. It's, everything is steeped in an oppositional type of politics. And we have critical decisions to make, in my mind, as a society that requires us to have a unified vision for Trinidad and Tobago moving forward. And how do we get to that point of politically moving closer some sort of unified vision how do you craft that well you know i think that is part of some of i mean you know one of the things that we spent a lot of time in this country in in, in educating a lot of people and one of the things that you hope all right is that when you put people and you send them give them a greater degree of education you suppose it's supposed to allow for them to be a little bit more discerning that's one thing that we have invested in Two, I think some of our professional institutions, right, um, have failed us um, because we are not hearing a lot of rational thinking taught to help lead. I have been one that always advocates that listen to me, we are all leaders, you know, I mean, Dr. Rowley is one person leading, yes. But at the end of the day, we all have to take this leadership position within our sphere of influence. So I think our professional groups, our UE, our, 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 our lecturers at, at, at our tertiary education, our read or talk shows, our, our professional, our accounting group, our law associates, too many times they themselves get themselves involved in politics. And they need to start to lead, to, to talk about that vision, because that vision needs to build momentum. You know, I hear you, I hear you, but if I could interrupt you, though, a lot of the times, though, when you take positions in this country, because the country is so politically toxic, it means that a lot of people who may have views that are helpful are reluctant to speak simply because 
if they speak and it seems they're being critical to the current administration or you are unc they completely align you they even do it with judges so you have a lot of that academia or people who have trinidad tobago at heart who are reluctant to speak because they think the entire environment is politically toxic so then paul then we keep going wrong with the richard we're going wrong in a circle right yes so if it, you wouldn't want to speak but it's you, that is you yourself we talk about governments putting the pan down the road or throwing the can down the road you yourself as an individual is is not playing your role as a citizen of Trinidad and Tobago because of a system and the system is developing and will perpetuate because you are not playing your role. So but you just said you, yourself, you just said yourself. Somebody needs to jump off. There have to be a group Exactly. Of I agree with you. But you just said yourself that when certain institutions speak, they get political. And that is part of the problem that it's seen through the lens of politics when so they may actually be giving a position that they feel from an intellectual and discerning point of view is what they need to say. Oh, and therefore, what, what, how you fix that is by consistency and you are making your statements all the time. At the end of the day, I would like, if an institution says something against a government today, and they say something against the opposition tomorrow, and they say something against the government today, all right, then you then you will be deemed to be neutral, and we also have to. I tend to. I while while that may be so in theory, I am a prime example of that not paying out in real life, because what happens is the vitriol starts depending on what position you take intellectually in the interest of the country, because of how divided the politics is on both sides. And, and and we therefore okay so the question is so if we understand that right the question can't just simply be traded back to the politicians eh? all right and that's what i I'm agree saying. with that i agree with that but 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 well, it becomes well, so vitriolic people people as richard said people pull away because then it starts getting vindictive you start getting maligned because of a position you've taken not necessarily because of the alignment of any particular party but because of your assessment of the situation nationally but i mean and, and therefore and how do we stand up and create a society and when we talk about creating this i mean when i come back and i hear some of the nasty and the lying things that are people talking in the area of the politics i mean i could tell you my wife when she comes back here as a woman and she sees what is happening or what is being said, she said, but my God, Robert, oh God, this is how politics is. This is what they will do to me. So, so, so we, we, but, but we have to stand up and say that is not allowed and people must be called upon to pay the political price for bringing and introducing certain things into our politics that we as a society decide that we are not going to allow. But in Trinidad, we don't do that. And therefore, too many things are just happening and being accepted. And therefore, the whole politics as it is, and you look at it, you look at it is not attractive. And it is not attractive because you get, there are too many things that we as a society are allowing to happen and we are accepting, and we are not standing up for what, what is considered right. I mean, we all know what I'm talking about with regard to this last, I mean, I, I was appalled of what we are allowing to, 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 to. And, and what is worse than that, no one is really held accountable and responsible.
And nobody is held accountable and responsible. Nobody, the society is not standing up and saying, hey, enough is enough, stop it. I don't care. At the end of the day, we, so, so we are creating a society, but all of that is part of creating the society that we want, you know. So we all have a role to play and, and there's a price the, there's a price to play. If you look at big democracies around the world, you pay a price for your democracy. Well, it, 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 it goes back to an old, an, an old adage that says, um, wrongdoing loves silence. Mm -hmm. and, and there's wrongdoing loves adage, silence. And there's an old adage, adage <clears throat> also, sorry, that talks about Machiavelli. He talks about how difficult change is. And he says, you know, what will happen? Why change is so difficult to put in place? He said, because, you know, you will get lukewarm, and lose it with lukewarm acceptance by the majority of the people that benefits from the change. But the people who are against the change, even if they're in a minority, you will get, you will get revolution. They're this. No, we have four minutes left. We have four minutes left. We it would be remiss of us to have you on and not talk about the PNM upcoming elections. And if you're offering yourself up for any executive positions. <laughs> I mean, at this point in time, my focus is to is, is I am I've taken up this role in the Caribbean, trying to ensure that IDB, which is the leading development financial institution in, in the Caribbean and Latin America that we get proper representation there, we get programs, we get products, we get services, we get, we get money all right, available to help us in making some of our long-term strategic changes that we talked about, digitization, resilient infrastructure, climate change. So I'm trying to ensure that the Caribbean gets a good piece of the pie in consultancy and money to make those changes. Because without money, there's no love without money. So I think as much as I am always willing to help my country and help Trinidad and Tobago and serve, I think within the next two years, I mean, that is where I would be. I would be back in Trinidad in 2024. So I'm not sure, I mean, I haven't had discussions, but I'm not sure that, oh, I, that my, my, my new job will facilitate. That's, that's, an, interesting, that's an interesting timeline, 2024. I mean, well, I mean, it's, 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 the time, it's the time when I would be, but, but, but I think that is something that I, that I believe is, is important because we need a lot. I mean, when I look, the Caribbean needs about 30 billion, 30 billion US dollars to allow us to meet the United Nations sustainable goals, right? With regard to projects. And if we don't put the money in place, and this is by 2030, 2035. And if we don't, then the impact by 2050 on us not doing it will even be greater. So there is a certain degree of urgency and haste that I have within me now to try to make sure we get the financing available for us to put those space projects in place and then move with haste towards executing those projects because we need to do things to fix the infrastructure because climate change is coming all right and a lot of the things like what happened with with, with um COVID, a lot more of that is coming and i am about trying to ensure that we fix the the, or the, the infrastructure so the impact on our poor 
will not as, as severe. So, so that's where my focus is, and that's what I'm doing in the IDB for the next two years in working at that particular institution. Always a pleasure chatting with you, Robert. Yeah. All right. Paul, Richard, you know, Steve, you know, you guys, are, I'm glad for the opportunity. Thanks again. I'm always available to, to hold these discussions. It was indeed, you all caught me on the spot in a number of the issues, um, but I think there are lots of hard conversations. And I want to encourage you all during, especially this time, we need to have these hard conversations. And we need to look. Um, um, Richard, I think you are going down along, along a, a route that is important. We need to seriously look at what has happened in the past, and we can't just simply say, well, put that in the past, let's move on. So, because we have to fix some of the things that we have in the past, and some of the institutions that we did not develop, we need to work on developing them now, because we have skipped certain gaps towards our development. I agree with that. But we also need to focus on doing what we need to do and recognize that we are in a plural society and talk about development within the context of our society and getting all the leaders and supporting all right-thinking people within Trinidad and Tobago to move the country forward by doing the right thing. So with that statement, thanks again. All right. Mr. Robert Lahan, thank you so much for being on the Power Breakfast Show Recording this morning. Stop. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All the best to you. Thanks again, guys. All right. Take care. Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.